Beef stroganoff, beef bourguignon, Irish beef stew, beef brisket, beef burritos, beef fajitas, beef tacos. Do you see where I'm going with this? Beef. It's what's for dinner. Meat has been a staple of North American diets for generations, and it's often the first part of a meal we plan. But that mentality is starting to shift, and it's being fueled by a recent surge of meatless meat products. Many of these plant-based alternatives boast about being a healthy substitute that tastes just like the real thing. These new products are popping up in fast food chains and filling grocery store shelves, quickly becoming mainstream. I'm Sean Stanley. On this episode of Industry Interrupted, how big a bite will meatless alternatives take out of the beef industry? Why are we craving this now? And what are the chances meatless burgers will just be a flash in the pan? But first, a word from our sponsor. You work hard to get ahead, so why not make the most out of your hard-earned money? Stay ahead with Fidelity Investments. Go to fidelity.ca slash stayahead for the latest trends affecting your financial well-being. So should we get Beyond Burgers with cheese and maybe the Beyond Sausage without cheese? Sure, okay. sure. Let's go Hi. for it. Could we have two Beyond Burgers with cheese, please? And could we also get two of the Beyond Sausage without cheese? It's lunchtime in this downtown Toronto food court. I'm in line at Tim Hortons, and standing next to me is nutritionist Lonnie Murdoch. We're going to order the Beyond Meat Burger and Beyond Meat Sausage Sandwich. She hasn't tried these products before. Tim started serving the brand earlier this year. The restaurant chain pulled the products out of some locations this fall, but continues to sell them across Ontario and British Columbia. I'm excited to try it because I know a lot of people are moving towards a more plant-based diet, um, trying to incorporate those things. So um, I eat pretty much everything. I don't exclude anything from my diet. Um, Oh, I think that's us. (laughs) It's hard to believe that just over a year ago, some fast food chains didn't offer meat alternatives. Beyond Meat is now a household name. The California brand broke new ground when it launched its products in A&W locations across North America last year. This fall, they also added McDonald's to their growing list of clients. Other fast food chains have followed suit and now offer a range of meatless meat options on their menus. So we do have tomatoes in it and some lettuce. Yeah. And then there's ketchup, mustard, and how's mayonnaise your, on how's it. How's your bun? My bun is a little... The bun is a little... It's soft. It's soft. I mean, okay, I'm okay with that. I like a okay. soft bun. So let's see whether the okay. proof is in the taste. One, two, three. Beyond Meat's goal is to attract a wide range of customers, not just vegans and vegetarians, but also those who would usually order beef. Beyond Meat calls its burger the world's first that, quote, looks, cooks, and satisfies like beef. They want to change the way all of us think about burgers. Most people think of meat as protein from an animal. But when you think about it a different way, you can really define meat by its composition, which is just an assembly of uh, proteins, you know, formed of amino acids, and then lipids that form the fats, you know, 70% water, and then some trace minerals and carbohydrates. That's Seth Goldman. He's the executive chairman of Beyond Meat. So then the question is, can you 
replicate the taste and texture of meat using only plants? And actually, the answer to that is pretty simple. You can, and, and the reason is because, of course, all meat does come from plants. Um, the only difference is that the animal-based meat we consume uses the animal as the converter from the plants into the muscle. And what we can do is take plants and, using our own process, convert them directly into that same assembly of amino acids, proteins, fats. So was it your impetus to try to develop this burger to taste and sort of feel like meat? It wasn't exclusively mine, but obviously that, that made total sense. When we looked at the, what was going on, we saw that the meat, uh, in particular red meat, was the single biggest concern people had with respect to health and to environmental impact. And so that was the, the best place to uh, make a first inroads against um, the traditional meat offerings. And certainly, you know, what we've seen, burgers are the single most popular meat occasion for meat eaters. So it made sense as the right place to start. Seth is talking about a shift that's been underway for a generation. Canadians, particularly younger ones, are more health conscious and concerned about where their food comes from. Earlier this year, Health Canada released an updated version of its food guide. You have to look carefully to spot three bite-sized pieces of red meat in the protein part of the plate. Looking back at the 1982 food guide, a whole steak sits in the meat section. According to Seth, there are several reasons why our red meat consumption has decreased and plant-based products have surged in popularity. Certainly the biggest single change has been the quality and taste of the products. And then on top of that, you have health concerns. There's been lots of different studies raised um, the concern around the impact of red meat on the diet. And then there's also been a lot of environmental studies that show how, uh, what a powerful footprint meat uh, demands in terms of the land use, the water use, the energy used to produce it. And, uh, and then another thing that's happening is, is consumers um, gain more information. They start to learn about the living conditions or the, the slaughterhouse conditions of how these animals are treated. And so that also raises concern. And all of these things combined, um, you know, I think it's our belief that um, people don't have an innate need or desire to kill animals to um, meet their dietary needs. They, they just want to have a good tasting burger. And so if you can give them an option that tastes as good, has the same nutritional properties, or in some cases, better nutritional properties, uh, but without the downsides of meat, then a lot of people will be open to that proposition. And, and that's what we're seeing. I was at a fair recently, and there was an area called the farm. But the farm was really about not just the animals, but how they were then processed into food for mm. humans. Yeah. Do you feel like there's sort of a marketing battle going on right now between the meat industry and the meatless meat industry? Um, I know that there are uh, parts of the meat industry that feel very defensive because they do feel like they're being attacked. And that's certainly not what we're trying to do at Beyond Meat. Our goal is to just make a different avail option available. Um, we're not out to demonize the meat industry. And, you know, certainly uh, most of our customers, in fact, are meat eaters. So, you know, by no means is, <laughs> are we trying to be self-righteous or preachy about what we're doing. Um, but I do think, you know, there's, there's, you've seen some legislation in parts of the United States where some states are trying to ban uh, the use of the words, you know, meat or burger when we talk about our product. And of course, we disagree with that approach. As long as there's responsible labeling, 
We think consumers should be uh, entitled to have as much choice and information as they can. But, um, you know, I do know there's, there's some defensive actions happening. Among those defensive actions was a complaint filed to the Canadian Food Inspection Agency earlier this year. The Quebec cattle producers and the Union of Agricultural Producers of Quebec want Beyond Meat to stop using the word meat to describe its plant-based products, saying it's misleading to consumers. There's also a battle underway for placement in grocery store aisles. Some meat producers don't want plant-based products next to theirs in the meat section. Seth doesn't agree, but thinks that decision should be left up to store managers. We want to be in the meat section, but it's fine for it to say plant-based meat or plant-based protein. Where we don't want to see our products is in some freezer somewhere else because consumers think about meat, you know, as an occasion. And so they'll, if, for example, let's say it's burger night for a family, I could see a shopper picking up two cow-based patties and two plant-based patties. But if it's, if our products aren't adjacent to the cow-based burgers, if they're somewhere else, then we may lose the opportunity. So I don't have a problem uh, with responsible labeling in a store, but I, I, I would never try to dictate you know, physically how a store can operate. I mean, obviously, that's the store's choice. When it comes to choosing between traditional meat and its veggie-based counterpart, a debate frequently arises. Are these products actually good for you? Back in the food court, Lonnie, the nutritionist, says she sees the benefits of a more plant-based diet, but she isn't crazy about the 20-plus ingredients in the Beyond Meat Burger. I like my food to be produced on a farm, <laughs> you know, to be grown in traditional ways. Um, to find a, a recipe that's super simple that has a real root in plant-based eating, to me, would be the better route. Um, you can make an amazing burger that isn't chocked full of you know, ingredients that maybe or maybe not you know the names of. So uh, with that said, the Beyond Burger has about 20 ingredients. So to me, it's still somewhat of a processed food ingredient where if you look at the numbers, like the calories and the fat content and the protein are very similar to a regular burger, but that's probably where it stops. The texture is good. Okay, I'm going to take a bite of just sausage, the right? sausage thing without all of the other stuff. No, I'm not into that. <laughs> I would describe it as a little bit squishy. Yeah. Um, although sausage, I guess, mm. is also squishy. I see, like they've, they've put in like um, a fibrous kind of component to make it feel like meat. Feel a bit fatty. Feel a bit fatty, yeah. yeah. So just eating it by itself, it is very, it actually is not super flavorful. It's not just new brands like Beyond Meat that are developing plant-based foods. Established companies are also seeing the demand grow for meat alternatives and have started to expand their product lines. Canadian meat giant Maple Leaf Foods has jumped into the veggie-based protein market. We'll find out how. First, a word from our sponsor. This podcast was made possible through the support of Fidelity Investments. All over the world, Fidelity Investments is looking for inspired investment opportunities to help you make the most of your hard-earned money. Stay ahead with Fidelity Investments. Go to fidelity.ca slash stayahead for valuable investment tools and their latest insights.
the rise of plant-based meat alternatives has been gaining steam, even within the meat industry. One of Canada's best-known meat producers, Maple Leaf Foods, has been adding to its selection of plant-based proteins for several years. The company now aims to be, quote, the most sustainable protein company on earth. Michael McCain is its president and CEO. We are a full range uh, supplier of meat alternatives today. We have three basic platforms. We have soy-based products, we have wheat gluten-based products, and, and more recently, pea protein-based products. Uh, they range in anything, everything from dogs to deli meats, roasts, uh, more recently, the raw burgers, grounds, and sausage. We have cooked sausages. We have, uh, we're the largest in the U.S. in tempeh. If, at first, it was seen as a trend, it now seems safe to assume that the meat alternative boom is here to stay. Some grocery chains have even started to produce their own brands of plant-based products, including President's Choice and Compliments. PC Beefless Undeniable Burger. Plant-based, burger taste. A burger no one has a beef with. While Maple Leaf has been increasing its range of plant-based products, the company also felt the Beyond Meat effect that boosted sales across the industry this spring. It's definitely accelerated. When we acquired Light Life uh, Foods, uh, the category at the time was growing at about 11%. Uh, which, you know, in food terms is, uh, is very significant. Clearly, the new entrants in this, uh, in this space in the last nine months have accelerated that growth rate. Uh, more recently, we are seeing growth rates in excess of 40%, uh, so a quadrupling, really, of the category growth rates. But this is an evolving marketplace. It's a very rapidly unfolding uh, story, and, uh, and, you know, we'll see how it unfolds. Our commitment is to to make sure that at the end of this journey that we're one of what will likely be several winners and uh, we're committed to being one of them. We're investing very heavily in innovation, in our technology around protein product formulations. Uh, we're investing in um, capacity to uh, commercialize that innovation more rapidly uh, because uh, the speed is, is really important in this uh, space today. Intensive innovation is currently driving this industry and also keeping prices of plant-based alternatives high compared to the cost of traditional options. Beyond Meat aims to have at least one of its products cost less than meat within five years. Continued improvement of taste, smell, and texture is also making these products palatable to a wider range of meat eaters who would not have touched the veggie burger of days gone by. Some describe that earlier version as a cardboard puck. Well, I think that would be a fair description of yesterday's veggie burger. I do not feel that's a fair description of today's uh, technology and plant-based burgers. Uh, if you tasted the Light Life burger today, it is an extraordinary product. It's got a great texture, great taste. But I'd also tell you that the evolution of these, uh, these technologies is uh, rapidly unfolding. And so... You know, as much as it's significantly different experience today than it was uh, five years ago, uh, it will be a significantly different experience again in five years from now. 
Do you personally eat the plant-based protein products I, on a regular I, basis? I, and I, how often do you choose those over meat products? I'm a flexitarian, and I uh, I love great meat choices and great plant-based alternatives. So uh, I go back and forth like most flexitarians do. There's been some criticism in the market of the plant-based proteins, generally speaking, because of things like high sodium and the fact that it's still a processed product. How do you respond to that criticism? I would respond to it uh, encouraging consumers to uh, uh, read the ingredient deck and read the nutritional label. All of our food products have different nutritional profiles. I do not take a position of good food or bad food. I think that's inappropriate. I think there are good diets and bad diets. And good diets uh, represent uh, a diet that works for you personally, and and they're different. Your body is different than somebody else's uh, body, and what your nutritional needs may not work for somebody else. So so you should examine the uh, nutritional profile of of the products that are you're consuming and make sure it works in the context of your diet and uh, if you if you follow those principles I think you'll you'll find lots of choices that are that are acceptable for you what impact will this new division have on the long-standing meat production business which is really what you were initially known for well we see them as highly collaborative I mean the 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 future of this uh, of this category is uh, driven by uh, a consumer that's told us very clearly that they want to eat more protein. Um, at the same time, they're looking for choice. So the future here is, without any disrespect to any dietary patterns, I think those are very much individual choices, but the future is mostly defined by flexitarianism and people that are perfectly willing to have a plant-based alternative uh, today and a meat-based alternative tomorrow. So we, we see this as additive protein consumption, not not really substitution. That's certainly proven out to date. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, is that the meat industry in Canada and meat consumption continues to grow, even in the face of, of growing plant-based uh, meat alternatives. So I would say that that first product, given that it was trying to mimic meat, did a, a reasonable job in terms of the texture. Mm-hmm. I did find it over salty in terms of its flavor if not its actual content, but it did, you know, somewhat feel like a traditional sausage sandwich. So, do you, so. I, feel, I feel like it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see if it's different from the burger, but yeah. it's like, um, to me, it doesn't mimic a real beef burger. What it mimics is like a patty that you would buy pre-made in like the frozen food section. Agreed. Yeah. So, so let's we try, try the, burger? the burger and see. Yeah, now we've got cheese, so that's adding an additional <laughs> flavor to it. It's not much different. I feel like it's slightly thicker, but the flavor is the same. Does not have a ton of flavor. I do find the textures a little bit more appealing than the sausage was. And generally, it tastes fine. Um, I think I would still choose a beef burger over this particular Mm -hmm. product. That's my impression. Yeah, and you know, the, the fibrous part of it, I know what they're trying to do there, but I, it's, it's not, I don't know, it's not really working for me. Is it all the additives that are in a processed plant-based burger what has kept you from trying it to this point? Yes, pretty much. I mean, I, I saw it. I saw the Beyond Meat and I saw the craze. I actually watched um, a, a documentary about it. And one one of the things that was really interesting, interesting to me was that it was, it was um, you know, produced in a lab. 
my uh, concern is that as a consumer, we don't look past the marketing. You know, we don't look past what that hype is and we just think, oh, this is the best alternative when it may not be the best alternative for everybody. You know, some people thrive on a vegan diet and other people do not. So I think um, spending time doing your research, deciding why it, is you're, why it is you're doing this, you know? And if it is honestly, and if it's like a once in a while type thing, what's the big deal? If you're eating something like this on a daily or even a weekly basis, then you should, you should look further into um, potentially looking for a more vegetable-based, whole food alternative, as opposed to something that is so processed. It's interesting to hear Lonnie's perspective. It makes me think about my own household and our eating habits. My wife is a pescatarian, but she'd also be happy with a plant-based diet. My kids love chicken. They'll have the occasional burger, but a plant-based diet would not interest them. For me, I think of the classic scene from The Simpsons, when Homer points to his mouth and says, food goes in here, because I'm kind of like a garbage disposal unit. I think all of this is indicative of the larger trend toward different diets. Meat and potatoes doesn't cut it anymore, which is why food companies, grocery stores, and restaurants need to cater to a broad spectrum of eating habits as they continue to evolve and change their approach to protein production. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Industry Interrupted. The podcast is produced by Tara Deschamps, Anne Lang, Laura Regeer, and Stephanie Chan. Industry Interrupted is sponsored by Fidelity Investments. I'm Sean Stanley. <laughs>